Podcasts are pretty common. So what makes the Uncommon Podcast uncommon? Well, it's all in our name. I'm your host, Noah Weiss, and we at Uncommon Sports Group understand the unique pressures and temptations that come with a career in the sport industry. We provide uncommon training that helps you successfully navigate common challenges. Hit the follow button on this podcast. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Check out our website and become uncommon. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Uncommon Podcast. I'm your host, Noah Weiss, and I'm excited to have one of our closest USG friends, director of media at Sports Spectrum and the host of the Sports Spectrum Podcast, Jason Romano, on the Uncommon Podcast with me today. Jason, how are you? I'm great, Noah. What's going on, buddy? How are you? Doing well, brother. It's great to see you on the show. And and Jason, I'm especially excited today because we're going to talk about something that you've lived personally in your journey through the sport industry, which is using the, the sport industry and a career in sports as a platform for the gospel. And sports is really, as we both know, a powerful platform for the gospel. But I think what so many miss is why it's that powerful platform. So I'd love to dive into that today. I'm so excited to, to really chat about that and unpack that. But mm. J- Jason, I want to start in, in really discussing your career journey. It's so unique and so incredible. And you really lived out a dream that many have, which is spending 17 years at the premier sports media organization of, of ESPN. And just the journey of how you got there is so is so incredible. And God's hand was really in that. And so I love to hear just really a, a short synopsis of your journey through ESPN and really hearing kind of your testimony becoming a Christian during your time there. Yeah, I, I grew up as a kid who loved sports, Noah, and um, that's really all I cared about from the time I was probably five that I can remember and probably before that, but until I was five until I mean, probably when I got saved, if I'm being honest with you, which wasn't until I was 27. So sports was all I cared about. It's all I knew. I played it. I watched it. I, uh, I, I played games. I, I, uh, you know, collected baseball cards, collected football cards, mm-hmm. fought my brother for the sports page when I was a kid. So sports was everything for me. I had notebooks of stats and that were just fun for me. I mean, literally, that's I didn't do this for anything else, but you know, for 15-year-old Jason, yeah. I wanted to keep notebooks and stats of my favorite players. So that's how much I love sports. Going into college, coming out of college, I realized I wasn't going to be a sports uh, professional sports athlete or anything like that. So the next best thing was to talk about sports. And if you could find a job in broadcasting that involves sports, well, that would have been the dream job. Yeah. Uh, ESPN was not even on the radar for me. It mm. was so far beyond a dream that I just thought it's not even attainable. Why would I even think about ESPN? So let's think about something that's more attainable. Mm-hmm working for a local radio station or a local television station and doing sports that way. So that's kind of where my mindset was. And then I went to college, got out of college, graduated, got a job in radio, uh, local radio, working for a news talk station. Love that. Uh, didn't do a lot of sports, a little bit of sports, a couple interviews here and there, a couple opportunities, but nothing major. Uh, but then the opportunity to, to apply for and then get the job at ESPN took place. And 
again, when they called me and just said, we'd like to interview you for this job, I thought, well, that's enough. Like that's yeah. the greatest thing I could ever imagine happening. So yes, uh, I'll go for the interview. And if the story ends there, it was an amazing opportunity. Thankfully, it didn't end there, and they gave me the shot, and I got the job at ESPN. Mm. Uh, started there in 2000, July 18th, 2000. About nine months later, I found myself at my brother's church, I guess 10 months later, on Mother's Day, 2001. And I was a kid who grew up Catholic, uh, grew up going to the Catholic church on occasion with my grandfather. Uh, I made my first communion. I made my confirmation, did all the catechisms you're supposed to do as a good Catholic boy. But I had no idea who Jesus was. Mm. Didn't honestly care. And I went to church out of obligation, uh, checking some boxes and certainly to earn some favor in my grandfather's eyes so that I could get something from him, whether it was going to a restaurant or going to play video games or whatever. Mm. If I went to church, my grandfather promised that he would take us to do that stuff. So that's what I was going to church for. And I never really heard the gospel shared to me. Uh, and if it was, which I presume it was, I just didn't have the ears to hear it or listen. Uh, or my heart wasn't even remotely open to care about it. I just thought, okay, I'll make my first communion or my confirmation. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm good with God, I think, and I believe in him. Maybe I'll go to heaven, whatever that is. And what I'm 15 and I make this confirmation, I probably won't ever go to church again. Are we good, God? And that's kind of what it was for me. Uh, fast forward to that Mother's Day uh, special day of 2001, and my brother was the first in our family to get saved, my brother Chris. He invites me to church. It was a different type of church. It was a little more charismatic and evangelical type of church. Mm -hmm. Went in. I was a little freaked out, a little creeped out by the experience. Uh, but I saw a bunch of people raising their hands, singing songs, uh, even talking in other languages occasionally in their prayers, and I heard a message. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember exactly what the message was, but the message was the appealing part to me. The music and the singing and the hands raised, that was a little weird for me, but the message was relatable. It was yeah. 25, 30 minutes, and it was somebody speaking to me um, about presumably about Jesus. Now, again, I wish I could tell you what that message was that day. I don't exactly remember. Mm -hmm. I just remember my brother inviting me to his house after with my mom, and we were just kind of hanging out. And he asked me what I thought of the service. And I said, Chris, I thought it was okay. It was okay. And he said, uh, you didn't hate it? I said, no, I didn't really hate it. It was okay. It was a little different, a little weird. He goes, well, come with me for a sec. So I, I went with him to the back bedroom of his house. We sat at the foot of the bed and he just looked at me and he said, do you mind if I share with you the gospel and, and what that service was all about? Can I just share with you a little bit of that? I said, yeah, let's do it. So he shares with me the gospel in probably a five or 10 minute span. He shares with me who Jesus is, what salvation means, mm -hmm. what the cross is all about, why we are in need of a savior because of the sin that we are born into and the mm. nature of our very selfish lives that we live and how Christ is the only way, his words, Jesus's words, not my brother's or mine, mm -hmm. to get to heaven, to get to the Father. And he, he shares this, and I don't even know, Noah, if I'm grasping all of this or fully understanding what he's asking or, or what he's saying to me. Yeah. 
but my heart was at least open to hear that day. Mm-hmm. And he asked me, do you want to accept Christ into your life and into your heart? I said, I think I do. Let's, let's, let's do this, Chris. So I prayed a prayer with him and uh, I, I'm guessing we hugged. I don't remember exactly if we did, but then we walked out and that was kind of that. So a couple things about that day. Number one, I think there was a, an underlying motive to the reason why I said yes, because mm-hmm. my wife and I at this time were trying to have children and we were unsuccessful. And so we were going through some infertility issues and my mind, again, not in the right spot, was thinking, well, if God comes into my life, maybe he'll give me this child that I've yearned for for so many years. You know, And that's not how God works. He's not a genie. But right. I didn't know that at the time. I just thought, yeah, like, of course. Yeah. Uh, God on my side, why not? And so that was really the underlying motive. But again, it wasn't just that day. It was a process. I, if I had died that night, I don't even know if I would have been in heaven, to be honest with you, because I don't fully know if I grasped and understood what I was saying yes to. Mm-hmm. I just think my heart was open to say yes for some selfish motives and some selfish reasons, but also because I saw what my brother was doing, how he was living his life, and that was somewhat attractive to me. Yeah. Over the next six to nine months is really when I started diving into the Bible a little bit, watching some sermons on television, reading the Bible, um, asking lots of questions to my brother, which I like to do, and just trying to understand about salvation and who Jesus is, mm-hmm. that's when I began to really grow and develop into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and understand that it's not about anything I can do. It's only about what he, he has already done. Mm-hmm. And that's where I had to kind of grow in this new faith, but also understand that, yes, there were things that I wanted in my life. I wanted to have a child. I wanted to be a dad, all good things, but God's plan might be different than mine. And I have to trust in that plan and be okay with it because he's good. And because he is who he says he is. Mm -hmm. And so that was really the journey of faith. All of this while I'm nine or 10 or 11 months into a new career at ESPN and trying to learn how to be a good producer and carry myself as a professional broadcaster as well. So it was an interesting time for sure. A great time, but a very interesting time. Absolutely, Jason. I really appreciate you sharing your story. And I think it's incredible too that you, your, your family really played that role in your life. And I think this is kind of on a different subject, but families can oftentimes be the thing that pushes people away from that. So I think that's an amazing testimony uh, yeah. for hear from you. And, and I love to hear following up and kind of the career side of things for you. You become a Christian, you have this new faith, you're walking with Jesus, learning about him, reading the Bible. What were some early struggles for you of living the Christian life at a secular w- workplace like ESPN? Early struggles, I think, you know, initially, the first six months or so, I, you know, I was just trying to figure out my own personal relationship. So I don't even think that came into the workplace at all, if I'm remembering properly. I mean, I don't even think I ever told anybody about the fact that I had become a Christian or anything like that. I do remember early on, once I had began to understand and realize what the gospel was about, and who Jesus was, I began to to figure to start to think about how do I carry myself at work, yeah. and that was difficult uh, for me because, if I'm being honest, the first six years of being a Christian, I, I know I was saved, but I don't know if I brought Christ into every part of my life. Mm. 
he wasn't the center as as i like to say he was a piece but he wasn't the centerpiece of right. my life yeah. and so when i think about those early years i think that was the push pull the struggle of trying to be a follower of christ trying to grow in my relationship with god but also trying to grow in my relationship with people at espn and grow in my job there yeah and you know i thought i think the hardest part for me early on was just my language yeah. you know I, I had a pretty 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 big potty mouth we'll just say um and that's not always the sign of a christian is somebody who doesn't curse i mean i know right. plenty of people who love jesus and sometimes they slip up and use words they shouldn't use so i'm not here to judge anybody else on how they conduct themselves but for me that was the biggest hurdle and it took about a two to two and a half year span before i realized that i have no desire to use any of those words anymore mm -hmm. um and i realized that i was somewhat of a representative if you will of christ at work even if i didn't have him as the centerpiece of my life i knew that if i'm going to be a representative of of who jason is yeah. this new new man of faith then i needed to not just partake in maybe some of the conversations in the way that some of my colleagues were t partaking in with the language with even the subject matter if i'm being honest um or the way they might talk about someone or something or you know a specific you know gender or whatever it was i was i wouldn't say struggling but i was realizing that i needed to conduct myself a little differently yeah. and where i really saw that sin manifest in me that that sin of of just not carrying myself properly was when i would play basketball yeah. so this was also the time i was 28 or 29 and uh, i loved playing basketball uh, pl i played in high school i played a little bit of community college and then a lot of pickup after yeah a lot of kind of church leagues and other kind of leagues and um around this time in 2001 when i had just become a follower of christ i had also joined the ymca here in connecticut and every day at lunch because i would go into work at two o'clock and we would work the night shift yeah. i would go over to the ymca and play basketball with about 15 to 20 other guys for an hour and a half two hours and man we had some good runs i would play four or five games and if we were on the right team you know winners to 11 and you just winner stayed on and you yeah. kept playing it was so much fun and we were calling our own fouls it was pickup there were no referees but i had a mouth and that that mouth and the worst words you can imagine came out when i would play basketball and i didn't like that person hmm. because i loved basketball but i was trying to grow in my faith yeah and so i don't know what changed other than i guess the holy spirit really convicting me yeah and that was the moment where i was realizing that i needed to hmm. i need to realize that if, if if you're a christian how can i be a little bit of a hypocrite here and yeah. use this body mouth and then kind of go out into the world and try to tell people about Jesus. That, that wasn't going to work. So that was, I think, the biggest struggle. And that carried over into the workplace. And somewhere around 2003, maybe even a little bit before my, my daughter was born in 2004, was when I just kind of stopped cursing. Yeah. And uh, I remember writing a blog many, many years later called Why I Don't Curse Anymore. And it was really focused on my daughter and wanting to use language in front of her that I could use in front of anybody. Mm. And so I never cursed in front of her. That poor kid had no idea what some of those curse words were until she got to middle school. And she's like, dad, I've heard these words. I'm like, yeah, those are really bad, Sarah. And yeah. maybe that's a that's to a fault that we never use those words or explain them to her. 
but that's kind of how that how we carried our household. My wife and I made that decision. And uh, so but that was a struggle, though, early on. Absolutely. And uh, I'm thankful Sarah really doesn't use those words much either, although it, it would be easier for her to my daughter. She doesn't use that language as much either. And I know her friends do some of her friends. So mm. um, we're just trying to live our live the best life we can for Christ. And, you know, I don't believe that if you curse, you're not a Christian, but I believe God calls us to to carry ourselves in a way that's you know a fragrance aroma that aroma of christ right and Absolutely. you're just cursing people out and using f-bombs and and terrible words uh to to refer to anything mm. first of all i think it's lazy um yeah. makes you sound unintelligent in my opinion but i also don't think you're being a great representative for this faith that you claim to have mm. so yeah jason i really appreciate you sharing and i think too the sports culture is is so used to using those words. I mean, absolutely, yep. co coaches especially, but really anywhere you go, it, it's just common. It's commonplace. And I think you sharing how the Lord worked in your heart and made those changes. I think one talks about sanctification uh, that that God cares about not just our salvation and the moment of us accepting that, but then right. the life we live after and how we are changed uh, into be being more like Christ and living the image of Christ. And I think on top of that, really, and, and this is fits well with the whole topic of, of today, is the witness that we live and the impact that it has on people around us. I mean, it matters so much, right? There's so many people in our workplaces and our families and our friend groups that will never pick up a Bible in their entire lives. And so how do they know who Christ is? How do they know the person of Jesus? It's because of the way we live. And we're not going to be perfect, but it matters the way we speak, the way we treat others, the way we yeah. act, the way we... Uh, represent just the faith as a whole. Um, well, Noah, that, that manifested in a weird way uh, many years later in my last year at ESPN. Yeah, I was working on Mike and Mike in the morning, and I remember there was a day when you know my favorite football team, the Cowboys, was playing, and you know I think something happened with Dak Prescott. This was his rookie year, and I wrote an email, you know, we were talking about topics for the show the next day. And I wrote an email to Mike and Mike and to some of the producers. And I just was like, I think the topic was should Tony Romo be playing now that Dak lost a game. And I said something like, I, I can't believe Tony Romo is even being talked about. Dak Prescott just won 11 games in a row. Why in the world are we talking about bringing Tony Romo in right now? It's one game. Everybody needs to chill out. And, and this is just stupid. This is crap. I think I use the word crap. So I sent this email out to those guys and Greeny, Mike Greenberg, read it on the air the next morning, like right at the top of the show. But here's what they said. And on air, they said this, they said something like, this is the closest that you'll ever hear Romano curse. And it was just being silly, right? Just being right. funny. And you know, I laughed, of course. And a lot of the probably the, the guys around laughed, but I didn't realize this until later. This was something they saw in me. Yeah. They saw that that just who was who I was. I didn't walk around and tell them I was a Christian or walk around and tell them, hey, guys, you know, I don't curse. So could you keep your language down? You know, I'm, I got my Bible here. And right. I was there to do my job as a producer and do the best job I could. But I wanted to carry myself in a way that maybe it was different. And maybe I was a little bit of an outsider or a little awkward or a little weird to them because I didn't curse or maybe I didn't partake in you know, uh, whatever else that might be a bad representative for Christ. But then Greeny calls that out on the air awesome. and said, that's the closest that Romano will come to curse. And I, I laughed and it was funny in the moment, but I went home and I'm like, that's like the greatest badge of honor I could ever wear. Not that I don't curse or I'm anything perfect, but that they saw something in me without me putting it out there mm -hmm. that was different.
And so you just never know who's watching. And I think that's a great reminder for all of us as ambassadors for Jesus that people are watching and the impact that you will have on them, you just never know. And I'm not saying that led Mike and Mike to go and become Christians, um, but they at least saw in me something different without me forcing that or being, you know, intrusive into them or being you know proselytizing to them each and every day i was just trying to do the best job i could in my job yeah uh, and if they saw that i was living out my faith that way well then great yeah uh, i didn't want them to not see that yeah. but i wasn't forcing that either absolutely so. and jason i think that's i love your last point there of you're not intruding on their on their jobs on their lives you're doing your best work at, at a premier organization and, but at the same time, you're also sharing Christ through your actions, which I think is really what, what a lot of this Christian life is about, right? And, yeah. and it's important to use our words, right? Think about Romans uh, 10, 15, when, when Paul talks about the importance of the messenger who brings the message and how can they hear if nobody uh, brings the message. But at the same time, there are moments, especially in the world of sports, where we may not have that opportunity to necessarily share the gospel with everybody in the organization. What, what we can do is live lives that are different from what many are used to seeing, especially in the world of sports. So I really think that that's an insightful view of this platform of, of the gospel being shared in sports. Um, and I think that's just really what God calls us to do is live that life that reflects him to be his hands and feet. We are ambassadors for Christ. I think it's 2 Corinthians 5 says yeah. that. And it's yeah. that's what I kind of see now in my late forties, as opposed to being in my late twenties, is that everywhere we go, yeah, we're going to fall. We're going to make mistakes and we're going to mess up. But if we continuously ask God to work through us as ambassadors for him, that'll be a reflection. And that's what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be, you know, image bearers and and reflectors, glory reflectors. I've heard people say Christ is. And so that's part of that is how you conduct yourself with others. Absolutely, Jason. Yeah, man. And Jason, a really cool part of your story at ESPN is really an awesome interaction you had with Tony Dungy. And I love, yeah. to, I love to hear that story. And then if you don't mind, just talking about how that interaction changed your attitude towards your career. Yeah, at that point, I was probably 10 years into my journey at ESPN, 2010. I'd been there um, you know, from July of 2000, and this was July of 2010. So it was just about 10 years later. And Coach Dungy was coming to ESPN to promote his new book, The Mentor Leader. My job at that time was uh, as a talent producer to book the guests, bring them to Bristol, uh, to the ESPN studios, and then you know create a schedule for them and then walk them around and kind of be their chauffeur, yeah. chauffeur for the day. And Coach Dungy, I mean, not a whole lot needs to be said about him, right? One of the great coaches of all time, Hall of Famer one of the great people of all time and loves Jesus. And I knew at this point as a Christian that there is an opportunity to talk to Coach Dungy about Jesus. And that got me excited. Uh, And so got to spend the day with him. He comes with Jessica, his assistant, with Nathan Whitaker, his co-author, with Todd Starowitz, who was his publicist. And it was just the four of those. All of them are Christian. Two of them knew me from previous um, engagements and, and bookings that I had done. So the word got to Coach Dungy that Jason was going to be spending the day with us and he was a Christian. So that was pretty cool. I thought that they had shared with Coach Dungy a little bit about the fact that I was a believer as well. Yeah. 
we get Coach Dungy through the first interview, which was Mike and Mike, and then we find ourselves in the green room waiting for the next interview, probably Sports Center or something. So we had like 15 minutes to just hang out for a minute, get him a drink of water, and wait for the next interview. And while we're sitting down there, Coach Dungy looks at me and he just asks me a question that I had never been asked before. And I tell people this question changed my life. Mm -hmm. He said, Jason, how do you live your faith? I found out you're a Christian. So how do you live your faith out here at ESPN? And I didn't know how to answer that, Noah. I thought, yeah. how do I live my faith out? I'm, I'm a Christian. I go to church on Sundays. I'm in a Bible study on Tuesdays. And I'm a producer at ESPN. I'm also a husband and a dad. What does that even mean to live out your faith? So my response, sadly, was, I don't even know if I can do that, coach. And I just kind of put my head down and I said, I, I think the only way that I can do this is if I go work for like a ministry or a church or something, like Fellowship of Christian Athletes or, you know, like a USG or a Sports Spectrum or something. I can't really do this if I work at ESPN, can I? I don't think you can do that. And I could sense Coach Dungy was just disappointed and kind of put his head down and then kind of shook it a little bit. And he was about to respond. And before he could, Jessica walks in front of him, his assistant, and looks at me and says, Jason, don't you get what Coach Dungy's trying to ask you here? Look at where you work. You work at this unbelievable campus with 4,000 people here every single day. This is the place. Don't you get it? And I said, not really. I don't get it, what you're saying. And she said, maybe someday you'll work for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes or another sports ministry. But right now you work at ESPN and God has placed you here on purpose for a purpose. And until he calls you away someday, this is your opportunity to bloom where you're planted mm. right here. Bloom where you're planted has stuck with me for 13 years now. Mm. I just will never forget those words. And it really made a difference because what she was saying was, look at the mission field that I had at ESPN. And yeah, I can't walk around every day with a Bible in my hand and a cross on my shirt and screaming the gospel to people, but I could go every day and look at people with a purpose mm. to serve them, to love them, to care for them, and to be the best ambassador, again, there's that word, that I could be for Jesus. Yeah. And so it was like a light bulb just clicked on and, and shone bright over my head, and I started to get what Coach Dungy was asking and what Jessica was saying. Yeah. It was weird because about a year after that is re really where this manifested. But over the next year, what I started to realize, Noah, was that after Coach Dungy asked me this question, I went from being an ESPN producer who happened to be a Christian to a follower of Christ who happened to be an ESPN producer and everything mm -hmm. else. And so my identity for many years, even those 10 years at ESPN, was wrapped up in my job. There is just no doubt that if you had asked me about who Jason Romano was for so many years, I would have just told you I was an ESPN producer hmm. who happened to be a whatever. And if a Christian was in there, great. Yeah. So I had an identity crisis. I had it backwards a little bit. But when coach asks you a question like that, it really makes you start to think about how do you live your faith out? Hmm. Not just in the workplace, but wherever you go. Yeah. And as a follower of Christ, that's what he's called us to do. We are ambassadors everywhere we go. Yeah. And so if I'm going to have Christ again at the center of my life, it means that when I go to ESPN, I'm a Christian. And when I go to the gas station to pump gas, I'm a Christian. And when I go to my brother's church or when I go to the, gas, or to the grocery store 
or to my daughter's volleyball game, I'm a Christian. Mm-hmm. Remember that. And so yeah. what I did was, I think what that gave me was a more of an, a purpose on understanding that I was a Christian first and everything else was second, including mm-hmm. my job. Yeah. And that allowed me, I think, to go into work with a little bit more of a, of a reason mm-hmm. than just to earn a paycheck. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. Like I appreciated getting paid. I loved the job of watching sports and being paid for it. I love what we got to do. I love the perks that came with the job. I love the opportunities that I had, but the older I got and the more seasoned and experienced I got at my job, but also as a follower of Christ, the more I realized that if I'm chasing after all of these earthly things, like Mm. a better paycheck or notoriety or, you know, community with people who are famous or whatever to, to hobnob with certain people that those were all fleeting things they're all great in its moment but they're all fleeting the only thing that's eternal is the gospel Absolutely. and so really around 2014 or so is when that purpose started to change and i started to realize that espn could be a great place to begin to at least represent christ properly and hopefully that would lead to opportunities to talk about him to others mm-hmm. jason i think that's it's so incredible because I think the fear among many is that once you you put Christ first above your job in sports, you become a failure. You become unsuccessful or you become somebody that can't climb the ladder and still find success in the industry. And that's mm-hmm. just not the truth. It, it, and even if you didn't get there, the, the reality is, is living for the purposes of Christ matter far more. Um, but I think what we preach at USG and what, what I think you represent so well is that a career in sports and being a committed follower and a surrendered follower of Christ are not mutually exclusive. They can be together. They can, yes. They can be connected. And you can truly be that ambassador. I always say, people always picture ministry as working in a church, like you said, working for a ministry like FCA or USG or going overseas and being a missionary right. there. Missionary. But, but yeah. we're all missionaries. Well, we're all right. missionaries, whether it be towards your family or whether it be towards your friends or towards your workplace, towards your coworkers and your career in sports, it doesn't matter. And so I think just reframing that mindset, kind of as Coach Dungey really did for you of really answering that question for yourself of how can I use the, the place where God has put me, whether that be working for a ministry or working in sports and really using that for the glory of God and be a witness for him. So, Well, what's interesting, Noah, too, and I'm not going to end up ever proclaim that you know sort of um when you do that you're going to get what you want right but the corporate ladder thing that i was striving for for a few years things started happening after i changed my mindset and my identity really started to be focused on christ yeah. and suddenly i was getting opportunities to be promoted to be a senior manager to be a producer and mike and mike and to have these crazy opportunities happen to me that all started happening after mm-hmm. that Coach Dungy day, ultimately leading to me leaving, yeah. which has been the greatest promotion, if you could ever say that. Yeah. What was coming after ESPN? So it's weird. It's I don't want to say it's weird. I mean, I'm, I'm not shocked at anything God can do. Right. And I'm not saying just because you follow God that you're going to be, you know, getting all of these promotions and all of these things happening right. to you. I do think that you'll be in the will of God properly and i do think he blesses and honors those that love him i really do it might not be with a promotion right but trust me your purpose and fulfillment and joy and peace will be at an all-time high when you're focused on christ and not just the job you do but that then allows you to go and crush it at your job too Mm. 
Absolutely. You're honoring Christ and not man. And they absolutely can live together as one and not be mutually exclusive. Yeah. Well, Jason, you really hit it on the head there. I mean, it's when you live for the Lord first, you become free to be loving towards others and you that pressure comes off of you to be successful because it's not all on you and it's not all about you. I think that's the, the beauty of following Christ is life becomes so much more than yourself, right? And, and I think that I love uh, John chapter 3 when, when John the Baptist says, I must decrease so he so he can increase. I mean, that's just one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture because, I mean, John the Baptist was quote-unquote famous in, in that time period. He was the one that was baptizing. He was the one people were coming to, and all of a sudden it flipped, and John's disciples were like, dude, like, this is about us. What are you doing? You can't, Jesus can't be the one baptizing. And John's like, no, I, I must decrease and he must increase. And that's hard, Noah, because so we live hard. in a world so where it's all about social media and posting the things that you've done. Yeah. And I saw that even in 2012 when I first got my job in social media at ESPN. But I also saw my platform starting to increase on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, I started getting some followers. I ended up getting verified, which was like very strange for me as a producer, but it happened. And I started seeing people interested in what I had to say in a platform that was increasing. And I'm like, man, this is really hard. Yeah. Not try to please my own soul here by posting something, my own ego and feed that. Even though I know the truth, I know about living for Christ and being an ambassador for him. And even my identity where that was found and going to work every day. But I also knew that all I had to do was open up that app and go to Twitter mm. or go to Facebook or Instagram once it came around and start to post something. And I knew that unless I was posting something that was central to God, anything else I posted was really for a reaction to feed me. Now, I still do that. So I still struggle if you call it that. Right. But I also recognize that those platforms, while they can be addicting and, and hurtful, mm. they're also great places to share the gospel too. So. Yeah. You know, being able to put your, uh, you know, Bible verse on there, you know, share some encouragement mm -hmm. to some people, even if it is social media, mm -hmm. you can do that too. But that's a struggle. That's why I say that he must increase, de you know, I must decrease is, that's our motto at yeah. Sports Spectrum. That That is on the walls in our office at Sports Spectrum's offices in Colorado. And it's what we live by. We, we are a ministry with Sports Spectrum that lives to share the increase in Christ and the decrease of self in a world, in the sports world, that is all about the increase of self oh, and the yeah. decrease of everything else. So uh, it's very hard and very difficult, but mm -hmm. it's a great reminder. And that's why the gospel is fresh and new every single day when we open it up, Absolutely. because we struggle. And yes, thank God for his mercy and his grace. Absolutely. We need it, Jason. We absolutely need it. And God is good and God is faithful. Yes, yes, he is. And Jason, I really want to talk more about your career at Sports Spectrum. I think it's an awesome ministry because what it really does is it opens the door for, for sports fans and Christians that are sports fans to see that there are athletes and players in sports that trust and, and follow Christ faithfully. And just hearing those testimonies is so incredible, especially on your podcast. And I'd love just to hear why does does the, the platform of sports and the platform of a famous, well-known athlete sharing their faith matters so much? It matters for two reasons. Uh, it matters because they're a person who has a story about Christ that they can share with others. Yeah. Get the fact that they have a platform or that they're in sports, right? I believe this. If you are a follower of Christ and you are hearing or listening or watching this, 
your story matters. Mm-hmm. It can help. Even if it's one other person, you got to tell it and it can help. Yeah. So that's why it matters. Number one is just that they have a story. Number two is the platform, right? I mean, we know this with sports. It is a religion upon all religions when it really comes down to it. It is something that we're all obsessed about. If you if you love sports, you understand this, you get this. It's so worldwide and renowned and, and those players and those athletes and even those coaches are worshipped and idled. Like there is a reason why I got into sports as a kid because Daryl Strawberry hit majestic home runs in Shea Stadium when I was 10 years old and I became in awe of this man that I followed and idolized and loved and later on got to meet and hang out and become friends with. But as a 10-year-old, that's why I love sports because Daryl mm. Strawberry hit those home runs or because Tony Dorsett ran through an, a defensive line and scored touchdowns for the Cowboys or Larry Bird was draining threes and looking back at guys and saying, really, that's all you got? Like that's, those are my heroes when I was 12 years old, 13 years old. Yeah. So that platform as a 13 year old, if suddenly Daryl Strawberry, and that's what he's doing now, by the way, but suddenly Daryl Strawberry starts talking about Jesus. Well, as a 12 year old, I'm going to listen. Yeah. I don't know if I would have became a Christian immediately if I had heard him share the gospel, because I probably didn't have the ears to hear or the heart that was open to hear that or to receive that. But I'm paying attention Mm. because Daryl Strawberry is talking. And so that's the platform I think that sports offers with so many of these athletes is an opportunity for some people to hear the gospel because of what you do. You know that that's not how you're defined, but I tell athletes all the time, if you're, if you're proclaiming Jesus, and you never talk about Christ, and you have this unbelievable platform mm. that people are paying attention to you, why in the world would you use it on anything else but Christ? Yeah. Why would you use it on anything else? I get it. You want to promote yourself or your game or lift up your teammates? Awesome stuff. Yeah. You want to put something that's sponsored because you might make some money off it or it helps grow your brand? Great. I get it. But if you're never posting about Christ and you're a Christian, you're missing it. Yeah. And that's why I love Sports Spectrum because we want to pull that out of an athlete and say, listen, we love that you're a linebacker, Demario Davis, on the New Orleans Saints. We love that you're an all pro, but we know that that's not how you are defined. So help us understand about who Christ is in your life. Yeah. Why, as his shirt says, why God is dope, which I think is a funny shirt, by the way. But it really means what he truly lives, which is God is amazing and awesome and is the center of his life. Yeah. So, and Demario does a good job at that. He's not one of those athletes that never shares about his faith or never posts anything about God. But why wouldn't you? Right. And why can't we be a platform to highlight those stories? Mm. Not for sports spectrum to increase, although I hope a lot of people read our stuff and listen to our podcast. Yeah. But only the only reason that I hope that, Noah is so that others can hear the gospel, Hmm. these people's stories. It's the only reason. Now, do I ever struggle with numbers and, and, you know, growing in our platform? Of course, of course I do. I want to, I want to compete and get as many viewers and listeners as we can, just like any other media company. But the bottom line is we're not just any media company. We are a ministry that happens to use the media space to share the stories of sports and faith 
and bring Jesus and keep Jesus in the sports conversation. Amen. Why wouldn't sports be an amazing platform to do that? Not every, not every athlete maybe sees that or hears that, or maybe the people in their life aren't telling them that. Mm. Every time I talk to an athlete who loves the Lord or a coach or a broadcaster, I tell them, please keep sharing your story because it can really help a lot of people. Mm. And hopefully they realize that. Absolutely, Jason. Well, and it's so true. It, it, it's so, so true that athletes and coaches have a huge platform. I mean, there's even accounts on Instagram that, that post what athletes wear, clothes that they wear. I think it's called yeah. League Fits. And, and they'll just post guys that are wearing certain outfits, and that stuff sells, right? I mean, it might be the craziest hoodie or whatever that, that you could ever see that you would never buy normally. But there, there is something about sports that we want to imitate. And, and just like you, Jason, growing up, I, I can speak from experience. Tom Brady, LeBron James, these guys that are in my area that I'm just looking at, and yep. want, wanting to be like, wanting to talk like, wanting to dress like, everything. And if, if that one athlete is open and, and willing to share their faith and decrease so he can increase, the impact it could have is, is incredible. Um, so I think what you guys are doing there is, is awesome. Uh, keep doing it. Your podcast is incredible, as, as many know. Yeah, um, thanks, buddy. But even further than that, I think for our listeners, you don't have to be LeBron James to have an impact. You can be the equipment manager for a NAIA program. You can be the equipment manager for an NBA team. It doesn't matter. You have a voice and an impact, and you have a special impact because you're around those athletes. You're mm-hmm. around those coaches. And the way you live, the way you act, the way you speak is going to reflect Christ. And so I think there is no more powerful platform, especially in our country, than sports for the gospel. I think God has placed so many of us, just like he did for you at ESPN, in these roles to have that impact. God wants to use the powers of the world to engage the gospel with people, or engage people with the gospel, excuse me. And, and I think that's a beautiful thing. So yeah. s- sports is more than, than wins and losses. It's more than feeling cool because you're wearing the gear. It's, it's so much more than that. It is a platform to share this good news that, that God wants us to share. So Absolutely, yeah. That's a great way to i think sum that up because it is it's just it's sports is a lot of eyeballs you know you get hundreds of thousands of people coming to games yeah. you get millions watching on television uh and what an amazing place to be able to point people to christ mm. and the fact that they care about what you do and if it rubs them the wrong way or offends them well guess what the gospel is offensive it is offensive and- it's going to offend everyone. Offended me for many years, you know? So keep sharing your story. And that means the equipment manager at the NAIA school mm-hmm. where my daughter goes, you know, Indiana Wesleyan, wherever it is, yeah. share your story. It can impact and help. If it helps one person, that's God's plan that's God's to help plan. one person. And that one person might be able to impact millions. You just don't know. Absolutely. So keep sharing your story. Absolutely, Jason. And Jason, lastly, I'd love to just to hear from you. I know our young people sometimes they hear this message and they're, they're, they love it, but there's they need some help, right? And it's it's a challenging thing to be able to walk this out. So I love you could just share one piece of advice for the young person working in sports who wants to be a light for Christ in their workplace. Piece of advice I would give. I think there's there's a bunch of things that come to my mind, but I think the first thing would be to be excellent at your job. Mm-hmm. Be excellent at your job. That means do the best you can. Be enthusiastic. Be positive. Be a servant leader. You know, help and serve others. Be the best 
teammate that you can be to those that you work with. And if you do that, now people will start to pay attention and hear anything that you have to say. Mm-hmm. You know, I've heard this said many times that people will never care about how much you know until they know how much you care. Mm-hmm. So if they know that you care about them because you're excellent at your job and because you're serving others, suddenly the door is going to open up for you to be able to do the other things and to share the gospel or to invite them to church or invite them just to hang out or whatever. But first it starts with that, like be excellent at your job and be a great teammate. Mm. That's, that's the best advice and the the starting point of any advice I would give. And I would give that to anybody, forget being a Christian, but especially if you're a Christian, because the spotlight becomes bigger on you if you start to open up about your faith. So you better darn well be a great teammate. You better be one of the best people that are at that job. And then what that opens is respect, Mm. opportunity, and a place where you can be yourself, your true self. And that's the other thing too, to try to be your best true self. You know, if you're being uh, great at your job, being a good teammate, but you're kind of putting on a false bravado or, uh, you know, a, a reasonable, a facsimile of who you really are. Then that's going to come back to bite you too. Um, mm-hmm. So try to be the best you that you can be. You hear that a lot, but be yourself. Yeah. Um, I tried to play the role of what I thought others wanted me to be for many years, yeah. as opposed to just being me. And uh, when I started to become me, by also realizing that I needed to be a good producer and help and serve others, that's when I think people were at least willing to listen mm. or to come up to me and approach me and say, "You go to church, right? Can I talk to you for a sec?" And you know conversations ensue from that so wow. be a great teammate and be the best job best work best worker that you can possibly be mm. absolutely jason and i love the last one too of be yourself and i think god yeah. has created all of us so uniquely um there's no mold that that you have to fit um and, and god can use your personality type he can use the way that you talk even if you know, he used Moses and Moses had a stutter and he was like, look, I'll give you Aaron, right? He'll help you out, but it, I'm still going to use you, right? Yeah. Um, so I think those those things that we don't love about ourselves, don't hide those things, right? God wants to use that. He's more glorified in your weakness than he is in your false strength. So well said there, yeah. Jason. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And Jason, it was a blessing having you on today. Great to see you as always. And we appreciate you sharing. No, thanks for having me, buddy. I love uh, USG and obviously you and and the team and Drew doing a great job leading the way. So thanks for having me. And you know, uh, I'm always behind anything you guys are behind. So, Yes, sir. Thanks, Jason. If you want to get involved with Uncommon Sports Group and the mission that we are on to help you navigate the sport industry as followers of Christ, apply for our academy on our website at uncommonsg.org. That's uncommonsg.org. Be sure to catch new episodes of the Uncommon Podcast every Thursday at midnight Eastern Time, as well as the full video episodes on our YouTube channel. Until next time, we pray that you will strive to be uncommon by glorifying the name of God in whatever you may do. See you next week.